One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Brian Toll is one half of Hwood Group, and for those people who might not live in LA or Aspen or any of the other many cities you guys are in, soon to be Miami, right? Yep. Hwood is synonymous with most, pretty much all of the best and coolest places to go out in LA. Thank you. Bootsy, Poppy, Delilah, Delilah nice guy, and a celebrity hotspot, very upscale, somehow has survived the pandemic and still doing very well. And thrived. And thrived. And... Also still cool. So that's pretty impressive yes. because most places just go out of. Yep. Yeah. And we have our first Hwood social club, Bird Streets, in three weeks. So lifestyle, I would say, is really how I would introduce you. But Brian is also my best friend from college and roommate from college's husband and Weston's dad. That's right. Which is most important now. <laughs> My boyfriend, Weston. So um, I think you're a little old. Just, yeah, I know. I know. But he is perfect. Um, <laughs> so, okay. Thank you for coming. Thanks for, for having walking me. walking across the street or next door. Um, <laughs> we are so excited. We obviously like we did our research. We've listened to all of your podcasts. Being your friend, it's been really impressive to watch you grow. I've known you for a long time now. Yeah. I don't know how long. 10 years? I've been with Sienna 10 years. So I don't know exactly when you and I met, but I'm assuming around 10 years. Well, I know that like my first birthday that you threw at Bootsy for me was, I think, almost 10 years ago. What year was that one? You guys are really aging yourself. Yeah, I know. I know. And I'm much older. I didn't use a fake ID. I remember when Must I was have been wearing Soldier Boy played and Soldier Boy played. Yes, yeah, so almost ten years yeah. ago. Oh my god, so, that's really aging. Yeah, yeah. So, and well, you've hosted most of my birthdays. I've realized yeah, we've, we, we've discussed this and New Year's. Like, I feel like those are our two holidays. Yeah. <laughs> um, those are our family holidays. But yeah, we're really excited to have you. We're obviously so impressed with everything you've done. So, our I gave you a little context, but our kind of purpose and intention with this podcast is more about. Obviously, there's like the how I built this 
type of podcast. Yeah. And those things are super fascinating to us. But for us, we're kind of more interested in the business, like the psychological portion of business sure. and like what sort of grit and mentality and hurdles you have to overcome mentally to get to where you are. Yep. And I think especially in like for us to, this was born out of us being kind of unfulfilled in life, to be honest, okay. and feeling really lost. And especially post pandemic, feeling like you get spit out the other side, like, do I even like what I'm doing? Right. And I'm sure you went through a lot during Absolutely. the pandemic. <laughs> we want to talk about that. So for us, like, it's really just, we, we literally went to dinner at La Scala and we were both crying and we were like, what is the point of life? And <laughs> what on earth are we doing? Not to start being really depressing here. No, but that but it's is... like, okay, so Jasmine and I are people that have followed all the quote unquote rules of society. We felt like we Meaning. were doing everything right. Like went to a good school, moved to New York, got the job, got the boyfriend, got the husband, started my company, all the things that like are typically glorified yep. in society. Like social media would say like I'm killing it. I'm fucking crushing yeah. it. Yeah. Are we allowed to swear? Yeah. Okay, great. Well, that's so, rules, right? Yeah, right, there's no, no rules. rules. This is a fun podcast. Yes. So like we did all of that, yet we're still here being like, why are we not fulfilled? Right. And then, you know, like my husband dropped out of school, started a company and he's incredibly fulfilled and he didn't follow oh. any rules. Right. So I think we're really just trying to debunk this word fulfillment. Like, what does it mean to you? Have you had it in different parts of your life and not others? Like, how has your relationship changed with it? Like, what role does it play in your life? Like, it can be about relationships and work with your team, anything. Because that's what we're really trying to understand because we see some of the most successful people in the world who are incredibly unfulfilled, yet we're all glorifying them. So it just doesn't yeah. really make sense for us. And also it sets a precedent for people like, looking up to these like icons and they're like, oh, I want what they have, but they're not happy. They're right. not fulfilled. Totally. So yeah. that's the context of our podcast. And I think the first question we always want to ask is what does fulfillment mean to you? What is your definition of it? I guess to me, it means happiness and kind of happy in your skin. And you feel like you've made the right choices, right? Where you don't feel like you're missing out on something. Okay. You know, so see, that's a really good answer because I want to know you don't get to where you are today, which is so impressive and so cool. And you're like, from what I see, living a lifestyle and a life that you really enjoy. And I am assuming we want to hear more. You love what you do, right? Yeah. And have found a way to make a living off that. Was Brian in high school like, I'm going to be in hospitality? Like, this is what I meant to be doing. I didn't even, that wasn't even a thought. So like you said, your definition is happiness and like being happy in your skin and not feeling like you've missed out. Did you say that? Yes. So it's like, how are you making these decisions? So if you never had, let's walk, let's walk through this. Well, I think it's funny you say you did all the right things and you felt like you're supposed to go to the right schools and live on the East Coast and do those <laughs> yeah. things, right? Because- I would say I probably did the opposite. I was always really good in school. Schoolwork came easy. I never had to work very hard to get good grades and get past all the AP tests. And I could have gone to school anywhere, I would say, with my high school grades. My parents never really pushed me, though. Right? They, it's funny. My parents met at Harvard for grad school. My dad was at Harvard Law. My mom went there to get her 
I don't know what degree it was in, in education. You whatever had big shoes to fill. Yeah. And so yeah, at, I, didn't know I guess I think they want it. I think at some point they said you should go to a school back there, but neither one of them really loved their experience there. They obviously met there and my dad was from LA and so they moved back here, but I don't know that they loved their time in school. And so in high school, at no point did they take me on a tour to like tour the Ivy League schools or the whatever. They basically said, well, where do you want to go? And I think a lot of my friends toured these schools and I just, for some reason we didn't, and they kind of just left it open. Um, and I said, well, if I can choose, I'd rather stay in LA. I love it here. Why would I want to go anywhere else? I didn't really know that much about USC or it wasn't like top of my list, but UCLA, I grew up three minutes from. So like, I didn't want to be just quite in the backyard. So the only two schools I really looked at were USC and Berkeley, I guess Stanford a little, didn't get into Stanford, but I don't know, something about USC and the football team and the camaraderie and like, they really sell it well yeah. when you're there. And, and I was like, fun. okay, I'm, I'm sold. It and was like a great, whatever they call that freshman week, not freshman weekend, but yeah. before you get yeah, in. Yeah, like when they let you tour. When they show yeah. you a good time. I mean, I, as, I, I toured some other UC schools, school. but I didn't, I didn't really go too far. So stayed close versus like choosing, you know, to live elsewhere. And then in school, I just always wanted to do something in entertainment. Um, my dad worked at Sony Pictures basically my whole life. He was the head of legal affairs. So oh. I grew up like going to movie premieres and going to visit him at the studio for lunch and like thought it was so cool to be on set and on the studios. And so I like grew up with it and loved movies and TV and all of that. And so I think I kind of wanted to be an agent and be in entertainment, I see that. never hospitality. I mean, wasn't a thing. And I always loved the idea of like running a business. And it's funny, my grandma always says, I just it was like a natural CEO, even as a kid, like bossing people around and right. getting people to do things for me. And I think being a leader and in, in school, I was always the person, but if we had group projects, I always just like got it done. I wanted it done my way. And I kind of like just natural leader, if that makes sense. Yeah but started off working at record labels in college, worked at Fox Home Video. The record labels weren't really my thing. Then I worked at Endeavor, the talent agency, and saw what like that really passage. was. Yeah. And it was a horrible experience. And after six months, I, I quit. <laughs> yeah, tell them. Yeah. Not, <laughs> it, they like poach USC kids and like... It's terrible. It's terrible. It and then the put them in the mailroom and like... And it's... Like essentially getting you hazed and you don't get paid and fratty. they're awful. And you just, I was kind of going desk to desk and you're just listening on phone calls. They don't really teach you anything. You're just supposed to pick it up by being on a phone call. And then you go home and you have to read scripts for hours and then you're back early the next day. It was just like a miserable So how long did you existence. last? I was there probably six months. Okay. And then you quit and... Okay. So... In college, just for fun, I would throw parties, right? And that was... Didn't you start... I kind of started in high school. Yeah, but also, didn't you start... What's that USC where they, like, take you on the buses? Uh, 901 I, or something? My partner, John, started 28th Street. Okay, 28th which is, Street. That's what Which I'm is thinking. a little bit of that, but he was throwing, like, frat parties and sorority things and helping them get into restaurants. And so he started that. 
I did buses and not really actual like USC things, but I would bring huge groups of people up to the nightclubs. I wasn't in a frat or a sorority. I grew up here. And so I didn't feel the need to join. join I had enough yeah. friends and whatever. And so Friday or Saturday night, if you're in a house, you had something to do. I didn't have anything to do. So I had to like go to either a house party from people from high school who were like a year or two younger or start trying to get into the nightclubs. And I enjoyed that. But I was throwing parties at USC in high school. I loved going to house parties and inviting people. I was just always very social. Mm-hmm. And then would figure out how to get like security there and set up this and set up a DJ. And like, I don't know, I just liked putting it together. And so in college promoted a little bit. And then when I graduated, it was me and like three friends. We did one night a week at place called Guys, which we all now it's the Peppermint Club. But back then it was called Guys. And we just invited- Not Guys and Dolls, just Guys. Before Guys and Dolls, it was Nate. So I'm friends. It's Guy Starkman owned it and he oh, named it after himself. It. So wow. he called so it So you were doing this on the side while you were working yeah, just at for these fun. agency I like I enjoyed While you were at the agency people. or this was in college? I would say- Or both. A little bit of both. So what was motivating you at that time? I just loved doing it. Honestly, didn't even care about the money. We weren't charging at the door. We made like a little bar percentage. But at the end of the day, I just, I loved like inviting people out, having all our friends and like our network in one room. Did you ever think that you would do that as a career? Never at all. So at the time you were just like. In high school, it was just cool to have throw parties and it was fun. And I liked the coordinating. So you were going in line with what your definition of fulfillment was. Yeah, it was just fun. fun, And you were happy. So you were following your fun. And, and you're and, sort of like, yeah. And it's funny while we were there, I, even back then people would say like, why not, you're not even having fun. Why are you doing this? Cause like I was, I would drink some, but like I was, I was happy to like be at the door and like grab people in and like, I, I don't know. I was always running around doing stuff. Yeah. That's stuff. What's funny. I don't ever really see you drinking. Like I know the next time. I have more fun like, like putting it together. Yeah. Like that's If your, I'm just sitting there, it's kind of boring. Yeah. That makes sense. So mm-hmm. Yeah, it just started as simple as that. I had no restaurant background, had no real culinary knowledge. I don't know how to cook. I just loved putting people together and creating those moments for people. And I loved people coming up to me saying like, wow, this is amazing. I'm so glad I'm here. And it was nice to invite people and have them want to be there. Like, I feel like I got fulfilled from that, knowing like I was throwing a good party, if that made yeah, sense. Yeah, so you like to host. Yeah, like to host. And connect. connect. Yes. So let me ask you. Gathering. Yeah. Exactly. And so I think it started with that. And then when Endeavor didn't work out, I said, I'm just going to do this for now. I'll figure it out. We were making a little bit of money, but people loved the parties so much. They said, you should do another night a week. And so we found another place and I was doing two nights a week. And slowly but surely, I actually was building a business from this. And then I would get paid by some brand or a PR company saying, can you bring people to this event we're doing? And so I would invite people to that. And like, I started to grow my network and, you know, at 22 years old was making enough money that didn't really start looking for another job. I loved doing it. My parents and my grandparents and everyone was saying, you should time to go to law school or go to business school. And that would have been, as you said, like the, the the following the rule or move to New York and find a job. And I said, well, I'm like really happy doing what I'm doing. I'm making good money. Like, I don't care. And they're like, yeah, but this, there's no future in hosting parties and doing things at nightclubs. Like you're making money for now, but what's going to happen in three years or five years. And I just, for some reason was, I guess, naive 
at that point and didn't even think about it. I was just, I was happy doing what I was doing. Or not naive that you like knew something that maybe. So I have a question. Maybe looking back though, I'm like, how did I not like but that stubbornness in some ways can actually, I think, help you because yeah. I find that we've spoken about this a lot, but like, okay, I'm 31 and it's taken me a long time. And even to this day, I have to be like, okay, that's noise. Like, do I actually want to do that? Does that actually feel like right. me? And this isn't for everything. Socially, obviously this has changed as you get older too, but like socially, who you want to hang out with, what kind of people are you hanging out yep. with, what you want to do for work, yep. what actually like activates that spark in you. And for at a young age at 22, for everyone around you to be like kind of the naysayers and a oh, little everyone. bit negative. You're too smart for this. What yeah, are you doing? Like, what are you, what are you doing? doing in nightclubs? Like right, just to shocked be able to at mute someone that. that did very well in school to like be in that career path. Right. But to mute that and be like, I'm actually going to prioritize joy and the things that like light me up and make me happy. And I am making money off this. Right. It's pretty And impressive. I was growing a company. Like I had sub promoters under me. And so I would go to these clubs and I would get let's say like 20% of whatever the bar made on a Thursday. And I had all these like guys that worked for me and I liked figuring out how much they got paid. And I figured out how to do payroll and how to like run a company and find an accountant. Like there wasn't like a plan to follow. Yeah. I just sort of figured it out. But um, I think what's really interesting about your story that I think a lot of people don't have is that from a young age, you found what you're really good at and you leaned into that. Yeah. Like I think- for me, I only figured out what I'm really good at at like age of 30. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's okay. Like people don't figure out what they're good at till like they're like 60. But it's right? funny. I wouldn't say I'm like good at, I, I guess I'm good at connecting people, but. No, but you figured out your strengths and where you want to be going. Like you found kind of like a clarity of like, I love this space. I'm really good at what I do and I'm leaning into this, yeah. right? Being self-aware of your strengths is, is a true. huge thing. Like if you're not self-aware of your strengths, you'll never know where to go, yeah. right? You're just yeah. focused on your and, weaknesses. And I enjoyed like growing the company and growing the name and putting these things together. And then clubs would start to hire me to be their like promotional director company where they would say, you figure out the nights that go on here throughout the week. So I did that, started to get into concerts and selling tickets and big New Year's parties and big Halloween parties. I would rent out like sound stages in Hollywood and find the liquor and bring in talent and like figured out how to book talent and figured out how to sell tickets. And like really, again, there was no like rule plan to follow. I just sort of like learned on the fly. Um, and this was assist. all under 25, 26 years old. And then I was very good friends with John Terzi and my current partner in college and after. And he went to law school after college never passed the bar. So he never ended up practicing law. <laughs> so he ended up working for DJ AM, who was like the first celebrity DJ. And AM said, I just need someone like smart around me to follow me and look at deals and whatever. And so John kind of took that role. Um, and they had a club called LAX in Hollywood. And they then came to me, this is like 2005 or six. I must've been like 26, 27 years old. And they said, look, you have the best parties in town. You have this whole company, but like you're making money for all these other people. You're just getting like a small percentage of what the place makes. There's also like, you can't grow that much bigger. What else can you do? You're just going to be doing this forever. And I started to think like, okay, done this for like three or four years now. 
I'm never going to go to law school. My parents yeah. were both lawyers at something like didn't like, and my grandfather was a lawyer. So law school wasn't a thing. I could have done business school, I think at that point, but I just wasn't interested in going back what to school. What age was this? 26? 26, 27. And like, let's bring it back to fulfillment for a second. At this point, you're 26. You're pretty fulfilled, right? You're like pretty happy. I was making money. I, at 26, bought a house up Laurel Canyon, like up in the hills there, which I loved and was like, well, no one can tell me what to do. I'm making enough to do this on my own. I didn't ask my parents for money on it. So was like very successful at a very young age, just doing this. Did you have, like, what I want to know is in those moments when people are, those turning points where you're sort of like, okay, someone described a relationship, like romantic relationships like this to me. And I think it's so accurate. And it's the same thing for work. Uh So a relationship is a series of decisions to stick together through hard things. Yeah. Right. Like that's all it is. Right. It's just like you run, you come up against adversity and then you're like, all right, are we going to do this or are we going to go the other direction? Right. And I feel like it's the same thing with work often. And especially having a partner. Totally. And yeah, definitely. So I guess my question is in those moments, especially speaking from my own experience is like, maybe this is more about my own need to practice resilience and perseverance and like understanding what I want. Do I want something bad enough to continue? But in those moments when it's like, okay, those turning points, which I would like to hear some of what some of the other turning points were or failures, et cetera. Did you have a moment where you're like, yeah, I should go to law school or maybe this isn't the right move for me or did you ever well, doubt was, yourself? No, because that was the weird thing. I, ha- I didn't face any real adversity mm-hmm. at that point. It was easy to get people to a place and throw a good party. There there were a few other like promotional companies that did this. And again, this is like before bottle service. So nightclubs were like such a different world. So what were people doing? Which is bars? Buying drinks and wow. standing there. And who invented so bottle it was service? All, Europe. Wow. So it was Why all about that? like who was in the room and and what the crowd was versus who was spending the most money. And so you had to really work a lot harder to like get the right people there. But everything we had done was like successful and busy. All the parties were good. And so, no, I never really thought, should I go to law school? Should I go to business school? I I swear those three or four years like flew by. You right. also seem like you have a lot of confidence in yourself. Where did you get that from? That I couldn't tell you. Do you think it was, I don't know. It was fostered, like nature or nurture? You think you were just, oh, you said you had like baby CEO. I think you? I was bossing my family around. <laughs> and I see Weston doing it to me. I can see him pointing things. Yeah. And he, I, I you feel deserve like I was it. Probably yeah. the same. Yeah. Um, so now, yeah, it's all coming back it's to me. It's all coming back to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, baby CEO. I don't know. My grandma says when, uh, when I used to visit them on a weekend that it's, I would want to help like balance her checkbook and put stamps on envelopes at wow. like four years old. So I don't know. I just, So you had... Had some sort of business. You thing had something inside of you. In and me. like, what would you say though for someone who's just like really struggling with confidence and like needs like some direction of like how to be and confident? And self-doubt, like how to not... Do you have any self-doubt ever? Yeah. If I'm not don't know how to do something or not good at something, then... Right. then but that's different. Sure. That's yeah, natural. that is different. But you don't have a moment where you're like, I can't do this. You're just like, oh, I have to like... Or maybe I should delegate this. Like, I don't want to be focusing on my weaknesses. But when it comes to like making a big decision for the company, do you have any doubt? No, I think for the most part, I, like... 
So how do you foster that? And like, how are you going to get your son to have that? This ability yeah, I don't to know. Be- I just always sort of stuck to my guns. And once I, I'm pretty quick to make a decision, but once Is it gut, yeah, once I, once I make a decision, I'm, you, you know, don't go stick. Back. I really don't change. It's funny. I, our HR, when we're interviewing someone, she always asks someone, name something that you changed your mind on recently and why, and like a big decision. And I always ask her, why do we need to know that? And she says, because I don't want people that are going to take this job and are just, and aren't open to new ideas and aren't open to change. And so she wants to see that people are flexible. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I'm like, I would, I don't change my mind often. So I probably wouldn't be able to get a job here if that's what we're looking for. So I don't know if that's really a valid question. Right. You're like, to how ask, I but she that? wants flexible people to in this environment. Right. But I, I'm kind of the question. opposite. So I, I don't think I changed my mind, especially on something big. Right. I would never like take on a project and then try and like back out of it unless it was something horrible happened. But I don't, I don't change my mind. I, I don't know. I, I, I definitely stick to my gut. Well, it's interesting that like that question might not get you a job at Hwood, yeah. but, but you but it answer, works as a CEO, as a CEO of Hwood. Like yeah. you can be the business owner. Yeah, I think you have to but be able to make role, you a decision. Need other and, qualities. Yeah, I think as we've grown bigger and have more people that have a voice at Hwood, sometimes making a decision, we just go in circles. And so it's at some point, John or myself or both of us step in and say, like, Make a here's what we're doing, because yeah. this is never going to get answered. Because if you don't, if you aren't just confident and you don't just make the decision, then I think things get can unravel really quickly. I think that's a really something that a lot of people struggle with, like myself included, like over times in my life where I just like keep second guessing myself. And I think it's also interesting. It's like you talk a lot about confidence and making like strong decisions and sticking to your guns. What do we learn in school? Like history, geography, languages, like why aren't we learning like how to, like why aren't we learning like how to think, like how to be a leader, those type of things. I've certainly made wrong decisions. I don't want to say I've done everything perfectly, but I think it was better to just make a decision and deal with the consequences. The amount of mental energy that you, when you keep replaying, like, should I do this? Should I do that? And honestly, like, Again, like Jasmine and I are firm believers in like the universe and everything is happening, like co-conspired and everything's, you know, happening aligned to that. So it's like those decisions that you made, like whatever, even if you consider it a mistake, like I'm sure it led to so much growth on the other side of it and you wouldn't get to certain other points if it wasn't for that, right? And we've, we've done projects and said, let's do this. And then it turns out to be a disaster. So I've definitely made some wrong ones. Um, we've hired people that we thought were great. Like we need them in tomorrow and they've turned out to be awful employees and maybe we're getting a lawsuit. And so it's, it's hard to always be right, obviously. Yeah. But I think you have to have the confidence in the moment that whatever you're choosing is the right decision. So speaking or, or you, of you, you waste more time, like you just exactly. said, and the mental, mental energy anguish. and the headspace is something that's so critical for a founder and a CEO to like have more headspace to do other things. Yes. So you mentioned about, you know, hiring people and your HR and stuff. How do you feel like your team's fulfillment like creates an impact on you? I think it's important. I think when we started, it was just us doing everything and we sort of got used to that. But as we grow, 
the same way I was fulfilled by people saying, yeah, I want to come to whatever you're throwing. Now it's really nice to see people actually reach out to us saying, I love what you guys have created. Um, I want to be a part of it. It really shows that we are doing something special and doing something right. And so I definitely get a lot of fulfillment out of people wanting to be a part of Hwood. We get a lot of, I guess my partner is too. I get a lot of like DMs and emails from random college kids who are very bold these days, DMs yeah. saying like, I'm a student <laughs> at Michigan. I just would love to really? hear your advice on business. Like That's that so wasn't cool. a thing years ago, but That's it's cool, very though. cool to see. I, I did like an interview with like 25 uh, Wisconsin students a few months ago. Wow. That they were in a business class. I spoke for UCLA, similar thing. So That's it's incredible. nice that to is- see. I feel like we're doing something right. So I actually get a lot of fulfillment from that. Right. Well, then it brings a lot of joy. Yeah, yeah. I can yeah. imagine. And then you're like, it's also validating in a healthy way. Like this. Is yeah. I also think that- like for my career, there were certain people who really believed in me and they may not even think that they did anything, but their belief in me or their initial investment in me or their like praise of me has really changed my life. And so I'm curious, like you're helping others do that now. You're giving advice. Were there certain people in your life, like from the beginning who really believed in you and that made a difference in your life and changed your trajectory? Definitely. I don't think we ever had true mentors, but definitely had people every step of the way who said, you're doing something right. You're doing something special. I mean, I wouldn't even be partners John, he's one of them. Let's, I, I mean, to finish that story, he he was working for DJ AM. They had LAX. They approached me saying, you are doing stuff all over town, but there's no real path. Be a part of this next one with us. And that was fulfillment. I'm like, okay, this seems like the next logical step for me. It's a good fit. I know these two people. I trust them. Right. I've known them a long time. They want to be in business with me. They're, they basically said, invest if you want find others to invest. You don't have to just come on board and run the promotions here and be a part of it. But like, we need to do this together. We view the world the same way. We want the same kind of people in the venue. We want to be high end, like let's do this together. And so I think that was one person along the way that we then partnered and formed. The first place we did was the Hwood, which was at the side of the Hollywood and Highland Center, raised about two and a half million dollars from friends and family. I put in money. My dad put in some money. We had probably 20 different people put in money. Some people were as small as like 10 or 20,000. Other people, maybe 100 or 200,000. But it was another moment where I was like, wow, these people are giving us, they're so confident in in what we do and believe in us so much that they're writing a check for us when Mm -hmm. we have zero track record. I mean, there was no deck. There was no... There's nothing you could say really, really on a like so nightclub restaurant. Phase. I would would just describe it to people and say, here's our vision. Come walk the space. We basically signed a lease not having money raised, which is something I would never <laughs> in a million years do now. <laughs> and it's much easier to raise money now. But I would look at myself 20 years ago saying, are you fucking crazy? Like, like don't insane. do that. Yeah, you that can is get, insane. Didn't know any better. We, but you kind of need to be 
I always say you need to young. be yeah, yeah, a little are, uh, reckless absolutely. and a little delusional. And like you need to be a little like, yes. Yes. like let's just do you it, you know? Trust me, totally. if, if I knew the airport world, I would have never yeah. gone into it. You have to be a little naive or else you're not going to make your dream. hundred percent. And what's what's crazy is that venue risks. was a massive failure. So our first venue that we ever did, I took this huge risk and basically dropped everything else, stopped like the promoting thing, put all my eggs in one basket. And we were out of business in a year and a half, right? Raised wow. all this money, lost every penny. Wait, I want to know how that felt. Like, yeah, awful. Not on the business side. I want you to go into Embarrassing, like, yeah, going. awful. Yeah. Didn't even know how to break the news to our investors throughout that year and a half. They kept saying, how's it doing? Show us some sales. And like, we would skirt the truth and lie. And it's really hard when you've never done that. Now I'm, I have no problem telling people the truth on those things. Cause you learn how to speak to someone who's invested. But back then it, we're getting better. Everything's going to be fine. And like overconfident when it wasn't. And I think. Did that affect like your personal life too? Like, did you feel like very sad? Like, yeah, like what was the recovery for that? And what was your so process? It was, it was weird because it wasn't like the place was empty. Right. It would have been much easier to explain it. Like, we don't have customers. Sorry, we chose the wrong location, but it wasn't that. We were really busy, but we didn't have people spending real money. We were so careful on celebrities because it was our first place we were building our name. We were comping left and right. And right. this is like the heyday of Lindsay Lohan and Paris Hilton, Paris Hilton and. Yeah. Sam Ronson and all those people. And like, uh, we were just, yeah, 20 comp bottles. Yeah, no problem, right? And we don't do that anymore. But back then, everyone was just there to party and drink for free. And I think we learned you can't run a business like that. We didn't have any operating experience. And so no one was really looking at, do we need this many servers? Do we need this many hours? Because we had some food as well. Looking back, the rent was so high back then, but nobody told us it was too high or too low. We had a lawyer look at the lease who said everything looks good, but like a lawyer doesn't tell you 80,000 a month in rent is not manageable for what you're doing here. Mm-hmm. So we had nothing to go off of. So learned a lot and it was very busy and we had people that would just party. And then they, it, unfortunately we were on like a residential street. We were on the corner. And so they would leave and throw up on people's lawns, like talk really loudly, smoke cigarettes on people's lawns. And so started calling the cops, started calling the city. We never were really making money. And then the cops started to get involved and said, you can't operate after one in the morning. You can't operate Monday and Tuesday, like putting restrictions on us, which is bad. And eventually we were shut down for being a public nuisance. Okay. So wait, walk me through this time. You were like, were you still like when you were there having a lot of fun? 28 years old. And, and then when you would no come experience. home, right. But when you were in the moment in the club, like being around all these people, were you like super like charismatic and outgoing and having fun? But then when you came home and realized how much you were burning money and that you didn't tell your investors anything, like, do you have kind of like two different personalities? If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I don't think I really understood that once you open and aren't successful, like right out of the gates, it's really, really hard to turn the ship around. So at the time we were busy and we had think, crazy celebrities so in there and we had lines. I'm like, this is, this will turn around and like eventually it'll turn to a profit because people will like see these celebrities there and they'll pay to want to be around them. But that never really happened. Right. And it was the wrong location being in Hollywood. Everyone spending money at the time was on this part of town. Truesdale had just opened where Bootsy Bellows right. is. Guys and Dolls was great. Where peppermint. So you felt it was just a matter of time before you could tell your investors that actually were thriving. Yeah. And I, after five years of promoting clubs, I would always see like if the right people are in the room, other people came. But at none of those locations did I have to worry about the other costs. And so we also saw at H with like making $50,000 in revenue in a night. Well, it may sound like a big number. By the time you pay the rent and the labor yeah. and everything, like you're losing money, right. right? And being a promoter on the other side, I would just get my 20% of the bar and I would go home with like a big check. I you had no idea about- looking back if those other places ever made money or didn't make any money, I wasn't my concern. So, so during this time, you're still fulfilled, right? Because you're not as concerned. I was, there was definitely a point where John and I looked at each other and said, we have a problem. Like, this is never going to make money. No matter what we tried or did, it would lose money month after month after month. But again, the investors, I don't, they weren't all over us. They were just like friends and families. They were like, how's it doing? What They weren't really pressing us. So it was easy to say, yeah, yeah. Like, here's the press. Look at Paris Hilton was there. This was there. And so we could spin it, right? And from the outside looking in, we had like a crazy demand of people trying to go to Hwood in the tea room um, was the kind of side little room. And so if you were the average customer, you would think like we were the greatest place right. in LA. We were exclusive. Was, we like, had a really high closed doors. You were yeah. like, so I, we were like freaking out yeah, on the side. Reality. That's right. Yeah, definitely yeah. freaking out. Definitely really nervous about losing money didn't see how to fix it. And so you asked about mentor. I started speaking to Guy Starkman, who the first place I ever promoted really was his place, Guy's. His family owned Jerry's Delis. I remember that. a really good tuna salad. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, good ranch dressing. Classic LA. And so Guy, I would say, was basically a mentor. He grew up in hospitality, obviously, with, with Jerry's, but owned Guy's and 
saw what I was bringing there. And I remember him saying like, this is amazing. And how are you bringing all these people? Like we're not busy on other nights. What do you, and I said, well, I grew up here. I have my high school friends. I have my college friends. I have my (laughs) friends I met from the agency. And so I had to kind of put a good group together. And so when H Wood was not making money, I remember calling him saying like, how do you make money in these things? Like, what are we doing wrong? And he would look through it and say, well, your rent's 80 grand and my rent here is 20. So there's that. And I'm on a better part of town. Was that the first time you like looked to someone else to be like, yeah. I actually don't know what I'm Definitely. doing and kind of not admit defeat, but admit admit that you're kind needed, of a novice. I needed, need guidance. Yeah. Uh, Show uh, vulnerability, basically. Yeah. yeah. I think so. Do you think that's the first time? Probably. Was it humbling experience? Definitely. It was so embarrassing to have to close because that was the first time we had to tell the our friends way. and our customers, like, we're not doing we're well. We're not actually right? doing So well, we went right. from like being in the spotlight and hosting like crazy movie premieres and like, we were we, like from the, again, from the outside, from the outside, outside. In, it looked great. Yeah. And so that was the first time we had to say like, this place didn't work, but here's what we're doing. We AM had that other club LAX, which was kind of done then. And so we turned that into a place called Las Palmas. Right. And so that was venture number two. And we were able to raise money for that because again, there were so many people that would come to H Wood saying, this is the greatest place. Like I need to put money they into the next the thing you do. And we said, sure, let's do so it. So even after it closing, they still have that faith in you guys. In Different way. investors. Different investors. Because we were able to have them at, at H-Wood. And yeah. Because they no, could see they, it they for themselves. The they saw what we had created. Well, it right? And it wasn't like, about the money. No one really said, well, show me the financials right, here. Which is pretty amazing too, though. I feel like that. Well, it, we were raising money at a different place, different but club. Yeah, and again, we had you. only been open for six months at H-Wood when we were doing the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we raised the money and and opened well, that one. Again, having confidence for no reason after we weren't successful well, at the first because I had so many years of filling places that I'm like, okay, now I know what to do. The rent here is cheaper. We right. don't need as much security. There aren't as many exit doors. It's one floor versus two floors. It'll This is be the place that like we really do well. And it was not. Okay. So hold on before we keep moving forward. So it sounds like there's two pivotal moments of people recognizing your value and your magic. And that was when Terz came to you you being like, you're doing something great. Let's collaborate, which is an amazing, that's someone recognizing like your value. Then and and you weren't really strategizing, right? You weren't like, what am I going to do next? It sounds like. Fell in my lap. It just fell into your lap. They experienced it for themselves. Then between venue one and two, same thing, right? And, re- and finding the investors was also a pivotal moment. A pivotal, a pivotal moment. moment. Like, okay, this is easy. Right. People want to give us or me or well, whatever. Because people recognize money. the value. They're yeah. like, I actually experienced this for myself. Yeah, and I I've really been to your parties for five years. Yeah. You, you are not one of the normal promoters that are just there to right. so they find recognize girls something and drink. Else. And like totally. I was doing it for different reasons. Yes. So that I think, which I think is a good testament to like even through you couldn't sustain H-Wood or whatever, like those moments, it's a testament to just continue doing what you're good at and like continue creating that. And I, for some reason, had confidence that, oh, it's not us. It's 
Well, yes. see, that's yeah, it's, this place. it's my eighty grand rent. Yeah, see, it's the neighbors complaining. Exactly... If we could, if the cops would leave us alone, <laughs> we'd be fine. And then we were at the side of the mall, and so the mall was like, "Your patrons are everywhere. You need to pay for extra security." And so, see, oh, if it weren't for wait, that, Jazz, we need a channel, Brian. Well, oh that's, well, that's what I was gonna say. So this is something that I think is really important. I, again, we're doing this as a fun passion project. I genuinely want to learn about people's experiences and how their path to success with fulfillment, because yep. you can be successful without being fulfilled, as we mentioned. But between venue one and two, it's like something I'm recognizing, and I want you to correct me if I'm wrong, is that you didn't take it personally. You didn't internalize totally. it. Sure, you maybe were a little embarrassed, maybe, this right. and that, but you weren't like, I'm not meant to be in this industry. Never. I don't know how to do this. It didn't affect your self-worth. Yeah, you were no. just like, all right, let's like pick up and keep going. Yep. And it's the same thing with like Which I know a lot of people, as soon as they hit adversity, right. like this is too much pressure for me. 100%. And, and I've definitely done pivot. that. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. Or even coming up against something where I don't know how to do it. And it seems more difficult. I mean, even trying to like, we're not tech savvy. So <laughs> trying to like work this recorder. Yeah. We were like, we question I hope it, it's but, recording, by the way. <laughs> no, it it's only recording. We had a right? lot of tests. It's still going. It's still going. <laughs> but you know, like we had these moments where we're like, and Annabelle and I are very similar. So we were like, okay, we can't give up. We Because like once we get, you know, our first guest in the room, we're going to have the best time. Like this yeah. is something we love to do. And yeah. this is going to be worth, you know, the juice yeah. will be worth the squeeze. But we totally. also realized that we can hire for our weaknesses and we can focus on our strengths, yeah. which is not technology. Right. Yeah. But I think something that's, yes. And <laughs> that is very, I think, important too. But so yeah, I just think it's so, I find it so interesting. And I don't want to say that all women are like this and all men are like this, but I think sometimes what I've noticed as I've gotten older is being a woman, you are more sensitive. I am more sensitive. And I actually think that's a strength. And if our society can mold to that, like women have different strengths than men, we complement each other. We can actually do even more in the world. And I do feel like at least my peers like, I know that if I lost two and a half million dollars of my friends and family and I <laughs> didn't, my first venture out the gates didn't do that well, I'm not sure what I hope is that I would learn how, but I'm not sure how resilient I would be. And just be like, all right, it's here's the learning. Like, we don't need as much security. We need just adjusting costs to be more effective. Yeah. So I think that's something that I want to hear more about. Like, that confidence, you'd think it was just... I don't know where it came from other than... <laughs> I had been just really successful, like I said, with this. Other stuff. With It was called Beetle Entertainment, named after myself, for many <laughs> years like of promoting the, all over town. You like the town. H. Wood Beetle, like the first letter. Well, Guys, he's yeah. very creative. Very. <laughs> I did not name H. Wood. Amanda Demi named H. Wood, okay. so I can't take. Okay, but Beetle is just my name. So that, Should we call our podcast? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was five, six years of like doing the same thing, you get confidence that like you're good at something, right? It was that is true. You need so, some wins. So I it wasn't like, no, like my it right. wasn't like it was my first thing ever was this if I had first thing out of college was tried this? to raise money for a nightclub and failed, like I probably would have been it. Maybe he'd be at law school. I probably yeah. could have. That's funny. <laughs> right. You almost had but the I momentum. Had this big yeah. I mean, it wasn't a big company, but it was making you had very good money. I and, had momentum. And you had I was very well known in the space. I yeah. knew everyone else that owned all the nightclubs in town. There was no turning I knew all the back. Promo- 
Yeah, I mean, there probably was <laughs> looking like, yeah. back, but at the time, I was like, but this is what I'm doing right like, now. Yeah, you weren't no. like, I need to get out of this Okay, game. but if you were, like, in your place right now, you know, with a kid married, would it be different? Because you're like, well, well now I have responsibility. I have dependence. Yeah, but I I don't think I would have started a new thing yeah, now. I don't exactly. know. It's you all, have to it's be all a relative. Bit young I was and young and had no responsibilities. Exactly. And was, I was okay to fail. mess up a little, yeah. Yeah, and so... It was really hard to tell them I failed. It was really hard to... And some some this- of those investors still won't speak to John or I. I think they were upset because we weren't upfront with them mm-hmm. and weren't telling them all along okay. this place is not doing well. It's not going to make it. And we lasted for a year and a half and they saw the press and they would be there. And so they maybe felt we were like doing something wrong or, something, or yeah. stealing money when Deceiving we weren't. Deceiving them or something. Yeah. So I think that was But part one of it. thing I want to say about that, it's like, again, this whole like notion of like glorifying, raising at billion dollar valuations yeah. and companies. When you're losing that. money. And it's like, oh, yeah, you're losing totally. money and right. And like, there's like we no one, no one ever talks about the founders who just like call a spade a spade and be like, guys, it's not working. I want to shut it down. Right. That is like kind of like right. shunned. Right. Like why? Like we need to talk about this more often, too. Not every business is going to be successful. And investors who put money into a company know that they could lose their money. Ninety nine point nine percent of the time. Right. Whereas we only hear of these like crazy success stories of like raising money at crazy valuations, people taking all the founders taking so much money off the table, like Adam Newman and all these other documentaries that were now made about these companies. Right. But no one talks about this. It's very true. And now. You know, as we get older and start investing in other companies and looking at other deals, we have money in all different kind of industries at this point. And I I feel the same way of what you're just talking about. Like, sometimes I'm wondering, are these companies doing well? Are they not? It's not like I can really see the financials. They aren't Mm -hmm. sending them. And if I run into the founder, everything's great. We just got this sale in the Costco. I'm like, great. So like, what are your sales? (laughs) They they don't actually send anything. And does that remind you of like you back then when you were sending it? This is a fucking failure. He's just telling me it's great. It got into Costco. Like what are you in the other stores? They don't really share anything, um, which is hard to be on the other side as an investor. I'm like, I gave this guy money. Why can't he just tell me exactly right, how things are are going? And instead, I feel like I'm kind of being misled. Yeah. Um, and I would prefer if they would just say, look, it's not really well, working. But that's because the... society has told them yes. that you're not going to totally be supportive, true. right? Well, that's so totally I, true. That is the I would rather say, I, yeah, I would rather hear them say, I have real trouble. I don't know what to do or the sales aren't there. Like, do you have any advice? I would rather say, yeah, yeah here, let's get this celebrity to put in some money and let's try to get them You'd to rather help push. Them. I would rather, 100%. much rather help, well, even if I, I, especially because I have money in, but either way, like, I think naturally we just like helping people and, and connecting those dots. Power and, of vulnerability. Like yes, that. I was and again, touch yes. another, I feel like yes. ethos of this podcast is like being transparent, being vulnerable because asking for help. And most people yeah, like need the help or want. And I think our, yeah, our society and like we are built on, we're running on social media, which to me is just like running on fumes. Like we're not, it's not sustainable because we're all creating these like impossible standards. We're also creating a cookie cutter standard. Like I don't think I meant to, actually, I do love hospitality. I don't want to write that off, but I'm saying like, I can't look at someone who created WeWork and be like, that's my path. No. 
But we have created a culture where we look to other people and be like, well, they look really happy. They look like they have it all. They look like their business is doing well. They have the perfect family. This, they're traveling here. Yep. And I think that's Again, what's created Instagram these versus crazy reality. fallacies. And then, but that that's the culture we're breeding is not being really honest and upfront and being like, yeah, actually that was a yeah, really tough I, time I, for me. I really wish I had handled it differently back then. Right. We just honestly didn't know how. You didn't we know were, better. We were kids. We didn't know better. It was just easier to... Totally. To not get into it. And then when you actually have to have the conversation saying we lost all your money, it's way harder. Yeah. It's it's hard to change the narrative now after it's like so ingrained of like you wanting to just make everyone so happy and, and right. portray this image that the company is doing so well and all that. But it's like the more people who can speak out and be like, no, actually my company's not working. I'm very communicative with my investors. I told them it wasn't working and we're calling it quits. Like I would have a lot of respect for that. If I was invested in like someone's company who said that, I'd be like, wow, like good for you. Like you realize it's not working and now you're going to move on and I'll probably back you again if I like right. you. Yeah. You're honest, you're vulnerable. Like, I think for me, and I know you had times in your trajectory where you were really vulnerable and it really changed the course of your journey. But I think vulnerability for me is my biggest strength. And all those years of people telling me vulnerability is a weakness. Don't show your feelings in, in uh, business. Yeah, business is for sharks. Like business. you shouldn't have emotions. Like, let me tell you everywhere I got to in my life is all from being vulnerable. It's allowed me to create relationships on a much deeper level than I ever would have if I'm only speaking about business. Well, I think it's partially right. You can't have emotions in the way I think I see it with employees. There's people that have been with us for a long time. And so they maybe aren't the right fit anymore. Um, oh, and as we, especially during COVID, it was a time to really take a step back and like evaluate what's working and what's not working. And we sort of saw people that had maybe been there, but just we've outgrown them. Emotionally, it's like, I don't want to get rid of that person. They've well, you have a been relationship with us. With you have them. a relationship. It's hard, but... It's really the right move. And so, so it's, what it's parts, hard when emotions get in the way of some of those decisions. Right. So what parts of the business do you feel? Because I think relationships is a huge one where vulnerability plays a role. Like if I'm only talking to you as like a surface level conversation, I don't think we're going to build like any substance. Right. But in times like employee stuff, when you're like, I got to do what's right for the business and you got to let them go, that's where emotions should not play a part of it or else you're going to... Right, maybe the decision health. shouldn't be led by emotion. It That's should right. be more logical. But I do think, and I, I have known you for so long, I can, I know how good of a person you are. You're doing that with humanity. It's not just like being a cutthroat. You know, I think yeah, you totally. can do it with grace. Totally. And I'm, I'm yeah. certain. So that's what how. areas do you think of the business that you can lean into vulnerability more versus others where it can start affecting your mental health and get you down a path where you're just too obsessed with other people's emotions. I actually think dealing with the investors, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to tell them the truth and what's going on. They're actually a lot more reasonable. We've noticed over the years than in your Learned mind, it's scary and it's hard, but yeah. they're people as well. And most of these people are invested in many different businesses and have seen it all and have that experience. And so it's okay to even go to them as a mentor and say like, I don't know what to do here. We're in this lawsuit over this, or we're dealing with this issue with this partner. Like how would, what would you do? Like they really love to be asked and to feel like they're part of the team and that they're not just a bank. Right. right? And so I actually think on that side of it, it's okay to be vulnerable. 
And I think dealing with your partner, it's okay as well to say like this really bothers me that we're doing something this way or that you made this decision. I don't, I don't think you have to really hold back if it's a true partner. I mean, at this point, after 20 years together, John and I, it's like a brother type relationship, yeah. right? And there's things that we try and stay in our lane. There's times we overlap. There's decisions he wants to do or makes where like, I just am shocked yeah. sometimes still. And I'm sure vice versa, where I want to do something and he's like, doesn't understand where I'm coming from. We're very different people, but I think we're able to sit down and talk it out to where we see where the other person is coming from. And you have to have emotions in that or have else. To. Yeah. So I think like so often like these like hard asses, like will always be like no emotions, no emotions. Business is for sharks. Like there is components. That's definitely it an definitely old is. school yes, thing. That's, like, that is. like you're being so emotional. It's like, well, or I'm pat, like, why are emotions so, you know, why are they so bad? As and long as you're not acting erratic, I don't think being also it's, it's females or, who are normally told that, yeah. right? So yeah, it's if a just man like, feels that way, it's like probably it's probably okay. <laughs> they're like you're strong, <laughs> <laughs> you're strong for sharing your emotions. Yeah, they're like <laughs> we have a lot of emotional men at the company. Yeah, as they're well. they're called passionate, right? They're not called yeah, they're emotional. like strong. No, some, and are, some are emotional. <laughs> You yeah. heard it from him first. Yeah. I, yeah. It, it's it's different learning and having employees who act different ways and have different personalities. Yeah, and, personalities. Um, we do fun things. So everyone wants to be involved in every project and every meeting. And I don't react well when an employee is emotional about saying like, oh, I wish I could have been involved in this or that. I'm like, you do your thing. Like, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. It's weird to me. I would never do that to someone and try and make them feel bad for not being involved. Like this is to me, that's when I would say like, this is work. This isn't about what you want to do or emotion mm -hmm. or for example, if we're doing something in Dubai, everyone wants to go there. Everyone wants to be involved yeah. in what we're building and doing and seeing. What it's are you like, doing in Dubai? Yeah, we're like I'm going a nice there. there. I'm, I'm going when? there in like three weeks. Wait, Wait that's I'm amazing. going there in a month. Maybe really? When there. are you going? Um, End of October. October. I'll be there October 10th to the 15th. I'm going to a conference in Saudi, like the nice. FII. That's so cool. Um, is so Jenna yeah, I have, to, I have to, I tried. No go. What? I would have, I'll go. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so, okay. I want to kind of like reel back in. So I know, so basically failed twice, two different concepts, right? So the first one, yeah, financially failed, but not It was great. Crowd wise. Yeah. Second one a similar thing. And then we caught, we had a second partner there who we've caught stealing money. And so this place wasn't really losing. It was doing okay. But like, once you see that, it was a whole fight um, over getting rid of him or us leaving. And it got really bad between us. Um, and again, I called Guy Stark, man. I was like, what the hell do I do? I, this, I, I'm now going to have my second failure. I either have to quit or I'm in this massive lawsuit with this guy. It's really not a good situation. And he said, you know, uh, there was a shooting at Guys and Dolls. He owned that property and he had it when it was Guys, sold it to Michael Sutton for Guys and Dolls. Shooting, the city said, you're out, Michael Sutton. You can't operate here. The valet got shot. Um, guy as the landlord got the business back. So Guy said, you know, I'm actually building this place. It's in West Hollywood. It's on the right part of town. It's the best location in town. There's only a couple places in West Hollywood. Truesdale mm -hmm. was his as well. He said, just walk away from that. Just give up on all of it. Come join me here. And I said, I like don't want to give up on 
everything I've built here. I have partners. John, like I like working with John. We have something special. We have our group. He's like, yeah, but there's really no value there. The value is in you. You have the relationships. Nobody cares about the two failures. I promise you that if you have one success here, they'll forget about all of it. And I said, makes sense what you're saying, but it's walking away from like, I could sell this business. And he said like, it's not even worth dealing with, with this guy. He's a criminal. You have no idea where it's going to end in a lawsuit. Literally just leave. And it was like a really weird thing to think about. And I just couldn't walk away from, from it fully. And my dad had some money in it. And Adam Corral, who works for us now, had some money in it. And like, I felt bad abandoning them and saying, good luck dealing with the guy who was stealing. And I just couldn't do a clean break. But I said, you know what? I want to come and be a part of, it was called the Beverly. He said, I'll give you ownership. Just come here. You don't even have to put in a dime. Like learn from me, see how I run this place, see how I cut costs. And so we ended up suing the guy who stole the money, but I left the business. He ended up shutting it down. It wasn't working. He ended up settling with us. So I got my dad some of his money back, got Adam some of his money back. I left to go partner with Guy and I was pretty loyal to Turs at the time and said like, you should come here as well. And he said, I don't want to work for someone not doing a place that's not mine. He had never promoted anywhere. He had worked for AM. So he really wanted like his own thing. And he said, I'm not, I care about the design. Guy's already got the design down. Like the things I'm passionate about, I'm not going to get to do here. I want to create the brand. Whereas for me, I never, I don't care about the brand, the design, the look. Like right. that, that was never my thing. So... At first he was out and I told Guy, I'll come alone, give me my the percentage and let's do it. And then somewhere along the line, I think when John saw he really had no other options and no other paths, he said, fine, I'll come too. So I convinced Guy to also cut John in a little bit. And so the three of us opened the Beverly. That must have been 2010 uh, or 11. I the Beverly. <laughs> which was like, massive hallway, success, yeah. right? It was like it was so cool. made so much money from dollar one press. All our friends were there. It was the crowd that we wanted that we would get sometimes in Hollywood, but like didn't really want to drive to Hollywood. We're doing us favors to come there. We had every celebrity bottle service was now huge at this point. So we had every spender. I would do meetings with guy where he would show me like, P&Ls and the cost. I'm like, oh my God, I couldn't believe how cheap how he was paying people. He's like, well, if you want to make money, you that's how it. it works. Yeah. And so, so paid half the money we would spend on DJs and door people. He's on my pay $100 to work the door. We were paying like $500 to our right. doorman. So and so I learned a lot. Yeah. And he showed, he was very open about how he saw things and what he would pay for and what he wouldn't. And promoter percentages and like, I'm not using promoters. I didn't do a lot of the things we did. Right. Um, so I learned a lot. So that was a probably the biggest decision yeah. I had to make was so to I, walk away and not try and raise money again and just partner with someone who was a mentor, but like had never worked with really as like a partner and, and that. And so- Can you walk us through and then, and then we can kind of fast forward the rest of all the yeah. successes, but just like how you- let go of like an identity that you were was really currently hard. in. But like walk us through like the emotions that you felt, like how you actually like let go of that. Cause it's very hard to let go of yeah, things that are well, so I'm a very too. logical person. And so I kind of looked at what options 
I had. And option one was try and raise money again after two places that didn't work. And I thought that would be pretty challenging. I thought option two was like, finally go to business school and like dreaded going to that, <laughs> even though my parents were like begging. So like follow the rules. Yeah. Or, or do this, which was safer. I didn't have to come in with money. I didn't have to worry about the things that were stressing me out at the last two, which was running a business I really didn't understand, right? I knew the marketing side and the filling of a place so I could focus on what I did best, which was just getting the right people at the place. And I thought it was the right part of town. It was a great location. I trusted Guy. And so it just seemed like an easy decision. Mm-hmm. And you the were hardest able- part was to walk away from like what we had created. Yeah. But at the, the motion- time, there was no Hwood group. We didn't have a group name. It was just two venues. So it wasn't like really walking away from a company. Right. It was walking away from, from like investors and the, yeah, yeah. And the individuals. But from that standpoint, it's great from a non-emotional standpoint, right? Because you don't want to have emotions. Yeah, it was embarrassing that. for sure. Because I'm sure people looked at it as I'm now working for Guy or with, you know, it was, it was definitely his place. We just had small equity right. in it. But you but decided it was, or to I go. Could, I guess fourth choice could have been go back to promoting, right? I knew that world. But at this point, I was probably close to 30. There was no chance that, that yeah. was going to be yeah. a thing. So that those were, or this go find a different job. Right. Yeah. It must and, have been 2000. Which I feel like a lot of people so yeah, do at 30. That's what I've noticed. Start now a new career, mid- get off on entrepreneur. Midlife crisis. Believe me, yeah. I, I thought about it, but then I was like, shit, look at what I've done the last 10 years. I, It's going to be hard to get a normal so nine about, to five job. What would I even do right. at this point? So you did think about it. I definitely thought about it. Yeah, and then you're sort of like, what do I do? I'm like, well, you what have industry? that moment where you're well, like, what, what do I, I do? even want to like, do? I don't, I have also, no did you idea. ever get down on yourself? Were you ever just like, oh my God, I can't believe I got here. Like, I wouldn't say I down do on myself because I never felt like any of the failures were my fault. But I definitely took a step back at that point and was like, what is the rest of my life right. or career? You probably don't believe in look? this, but that's right after your Saturn return yeah. or like during. Yeah. So you come to this moment where you're like, what am I? You're like, he doesn't believe in this. I can imagine you don't believe in horoscopes. No. Exactly. You're um, so not LA. Like people here, I just moved I here. Know. People well, are you like, go what's through a transition sign? in your no, life? I and I mean, what do you call it? A middle, you know, quarter life, you know, et cetera. Like that's. Yeah. I dated one girl who was so into those, but we won't name her. And like her whole thing was if Mercury is, is in retrograde, red, she, like, couldn't leave the house for six months because bad things were going oh, to happen. I'm like, this home. is fucking insane. <laughs> So, so you have to, so I'm not, you went the other direction. Okay. So, so went into this and it turned out to be, and again, I made the decision, was confident about it so much so that I could have just gone on this path, but like I brought John along. Mm -hmm. Um, and it turned out to be a really great decision because guy after six months said, wow, you guys are really actually better at this than I thought. I can't believe the celebrities you have here. I can't believe the crowds. This made more money Identified than I'm making your magic at, again. at Truesdale. Mm-hmm. Focus on your strengths. Focus on your yeah. strengths. Identified your magic. Yeah. These are and, all the key learnings. Yeah. And he said, honestly, I'm thinking of getting out of nightlife. I know I built this one, but it <laughs> fell in my lap. I got it back for free. I didn't put very much in, so it was a no-brainer. But would you want to buy Truesdale Whoa. from me? And I said. Uh, I think so. And he's like, look, I know you're out of it. Could you raise money again? Would you want to raise money again? Do you even want another club? 
you know, or like, what, what do you see happening? And we, we said, actually, it's funny you bring this up now. We had been talking to David Arquette, who had, we'd sort of known loosely, who was at Beecher's Bad House prior and got fired there and said, I want to open another nightclub. I want to go against them. I'll be a part of it. <laughs> um, I'll be present. I'm going to push it. I'll go on Kimmel and Letterman and all the shows and talk about my club. Um, and we said, this is a good partner to have. And so we were looking for a different location potentially. And when Guy said Truesdale, I was like, oh my God, that's even better than the Beverly. It's right here. Right Bigger, better, yeah. great location. And John and I were like, do you think people would give us money again? That's going to be the yeah. hardest part. And we sort of loosely went around to people who were at the Beverly or at Las Palmas prior and had said, we'll invest in your next thing. Um, and we went to them and said, are you serious? Cause you know, what's happened in the other ones, but like the Beverly's clearly we're doing something right. We've learned, would you put money in if we had a location? And we found two people who said, yeah, we would. So keep we, people to believe in you. That's what it is. And so we told guy, okay, we'll take it from you. I think you wanted a million dollars for Truesdale and John and I put it together, scrapped and found those two people and paid him. And it's been 10 years of Bootsy Bellows. So, so that was the time, first, third the time. Charm. Yeah. Third time's a charm third to all your charm. fellow entrepreneurs out there listening. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know what made us have that confidence or stick with it. I think if we hadn't done the Beverly, I don't know that we would have tried to raise money again. Well, it, it really sounds, gave us confidence. See, that's again. why there's no it's such weird. thing as failures. It's just growth. Yeah. I don't it's believe growth. in failures. Totally. True. totally. And yeah. I think a theme I've seen is that through those periods of challenges and growth, you always had someone that still was like, hey, but you still are doing something right. So yeah. like someone reminded you of your strengths. And, yeah. and, all the time. and maybe that person's ultimately still you, but there was people around you also being like, yeah, I know that just happened, but we got to keep moving. Yep. And I think that's important too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it starts with you, of course, but totally. Yeah. But it gave us a, a fresh start and we did it and we said from now on, we are going to learn every lesson that went wrong over the last, it opened in 2012. So a full six years after H would opened, we said, we are going to cut every cost. We're not comping anything. We're going to be so strict about how many employees we have on the floor, like learned every crazy lesson that we learned. Oh, people were now doing bottle service. And I think at H we were a little like, we don't care how much you're spending. If you're not cool, you're not coming in. Right. Like, okay, we'll take your money now at Bootsy <laughs> Bello. So like it turned into that. We had David Arquette, which helped. He went on all those shows and he, we we ended up naming it after his mom, who was a pinup girl in the 60s. Her name was Bootsy Bellows. Oh, I love so that. So it was a name at the time where Pete, when we were throwing it around to friends, we were like, do not name anything Bootsy Bellows. It's the worst name. It's terrible. And we said like, honestly, that's okay. It's different. People will talk about it. It gets David excited to go and <laughs> so we like went against everyone's recommendation and picked that name, Listen which it I think that's part of why it was successful. Right. Yeah. So it's, like it's I, not I don't know. Like I don't think anyone says. said good name. I really right. don't. But it's you so know funny. what? You were authentic to name. yourselves. Yeah. I feel like we need definitely gonna need a part two of this because yeah. this has been so fascinating. And I think so that was kind of like the initial moment yep. where where the rest is history and you've launched so many other places in LA, which are all like staples yep. here. And now you've started expanding to so many other cities, which yep. is so amazing to see. And just like 
huge congrats on all Thank this you. incredible yeah, success. Amazing. And Thank like, you. it's just so nice to see like the other side of the typical interviews of just the like, how I got to where I am yeah. and just like the emotions along the way and sure. like the things you've learned. Um, so we're super grateful that you came yeah, and you. shared with us. So we like to ask at the end of every episode, a question that's also the title of our podcast. What's the point? Of? <laughs> <laughs> like what, what gets not you out of bed? What's exciting? Yeah, like not, not just, just for work. Like not just each one, not just, like, you know, the, the individual projects. Yeah. Like right now, if you had to answer that question. And that probably changed from when you were in your 20s. Yeah. And it's supposed to change where we all evolve as humans. It's a tough question. I guess I don't really know what the point of life <laughs> no, is. for you. For uh, you. For you. Right not like for what's, everyone. What gets you out of bed in the morning? At this point, we've created so much that I think I want to see where this story ends, right? Interesting. And yeah. it's weird looking back. We've probably opened 20 places together, right? At some point, we got too old for clubs. And so we said, we need restaurants. And that was the first time I think we ever thought this was like a real career. And this that was, we had Bootsy and then we had her guy also sold us the Beverly. He said, I'm out of both. So we made that Hooray Henry's. And then we kind of said like, we need something older. We've been doing this so long. So we built the nice guy. And I think that was the first time I said like, wow, this is going to be our career. These places are all successful. We know what we're doing now. We've learned our lessons. We want to be in hospitality. I really, at that point, loved running the company and the business and the dealing with the stuff that John would never want to do. The the legal stuff and the contracts and the leases and the accounting and the like, I like running a, of a company. John is more out there and deals with celebrities and the crowd and, and marketing and that and designs all our places. He's really big on design. Oh. So I think restaurants were the next step. I think the bird streets to us is the next logical one after restaurants, like a private members. There's, a restaurant, there's a lounge, there's a game room, there's all these different things in one. We want to get into hotels. Um, so it we, seems from what you're saying that the point is evolution, right? Yeah, I, I think so. For Ever us, evolved. for us, I just, I, yeah, I think and we're, we're growing like, and changing. Not just for the, Hwood, for you personally too. It seems yeah, like it's I a core value. Yeah, definitely have something different that fulfills me now. I could care less if people want to come to our party yeah. or not. It's not not what excites me anymore. Yeah. Um, you have Weston in the picture. Yeah. So I'm definitely like more fulfilled with, with him and yeah, and, and all of those things. But it's weird now as we open more places, seeing the younger people that we have that are on the customer development side and have to learn how to fill a room and bring people. And I try and give them advice on what I used to do because yeah. now none of those techniques work like well, it, was it was big for me back then i would like like okay let me let me make a list of everyone's birthday that i know and i'll call them a month before their birthday and Smart. say like you should do your birthday with us and now my friends like i'm not doing a fucking birthday anywhere but like i'm trying to teach them what i used to do to yeah. to fill the venues and what i would say and so it's nice to be able to pass on information it's nice to be able to grow the company and take more of like a CEO type role versus like being in the trenches every day. I love planning and saying, okay, we're doing Miami next. We're, we we did Delilah at the win in Vegas. We're now working on a nice guy with them in Vegas. We're doing Miami for Delilah. I want to find a nice guy in Miami. It's like, what city do we do next? We're doing Dubai, working on a couple hotel things. Like what, how big 
can we grow this? I've seen now we're, we're in the same space with the Tao Group and the Catch Guys and Soho House and Nobu. And like, these are really our competitors. So in a really short period, when you think about it, Bootsy's really one been 10 years now. We're like battling with really big publicly traded companies. Mm-hmm. And John and I are like the last two kind of private I don't know the white word is not encumbered by like a huge company, right? Tao is owned by MSG. Soho is publicly traded. We, we, yeah, we're corporate in many senses. We have, I've got 800 employees and six HR people and it's crazy to see what we've built, but yeah, I'm not beholden to the public markets. Right. Catch is owned by Landry's, which is a huge company. I didn't know that. So we're like the last men standing. So we get, we get reached out to by a lot of interesting companies about potentially selling or Mm -hmm. doing something. And so I think the ultimate goal is to sell this. We've created something pretty special. We want to do a little bit more, but I could see selling off the company in the next, call it three to five to 10 years. Yeah. I think like to end on this note, I think it's all about evolution for you. I mean, evolution allows you guys to stand out between all of your competitors. You are constantly evolving. You're never status quo. And that's what's followed your entire journey. Both it's one from of our a mission company, statements, actually. Right? Really? Oh, I should have written, you should have hired me to write your mission yeah. statement. But not just as They've, the yeah, company, but yourself. ahead of the curve. Evolve ahead of the curve. Evolve ahead of that curve. Yeah, I, I think that you always. Is Brian you, told. Yeah, you have to be one step ahead from everything you do. That's like a do. personal mission statement too. Like I think evolution has been and growth is such a core thing to have in life, right? To always be wanting to expand and learn and be curious and all that, and to have that as huge value for you personally, and now put that into your company. I think that's. I mean, that's the point. And I and I would also add and not be afraid what people think. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's where a lot of people get it wrong in creating a business that if too many people say, don't do this or don't do that. Or getting into the like, wrong oh, business. I, sh- I shouldn't do that because there's a naysayers, but like the naysayers. people in general just say bad idea or don't do that. Like yeah. there's very few people looking back anywhere along the line that said, you should do this and you should do that. People said, don't stay in nightlife. Don't like at no point did they say do it when, yeah. we, when we wanted to do Bootsy. People said you're crazy to raise money again and do this. You've had so many failures. We did it anyway. People said well, don't name it Bootsy. It's a bad name. And we did it anyway. People said don't do yeah. restaurants. You guys know clubs, restaurants are a whole different animal, but Nice guy's been one people of the most successful. People always have their opinions. Always. And also, no like, one said do a restaurant. When I <laughs> advise people, I always say, like, they're like, but I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, no one knows what we're That's doing. Right. We're all just figuring it out. And that way you put your magic and your own spin on things. And right. here you are today. Yeah. Yeah. So, Agreed. yes, Ryan, thank you so much thank for you. all this. We are so honored for to having you. Thank you. Yeah. I thank guess you. You can enjoy your two-minute walk. Thank you. <laughs> Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.